Hello, everyone, and welcome to American Student Radio's first show of the fall semester on WIUX LP Bloomington. I'm your host, Tristan Fitzpatrick. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, embarrassment. Everyone has that one moment that stands out in their minds when they're absolutely mortified. Mine was when I was 12 years old. I was in sixth grade, and that's that perfectly awkward age between being a tween and being a teenager when anything embarrassing that you do will automatically stay in your mind for a very long time. I woke up, and I was getting ready to go to school, and I felt kind of sick to my stomach, but I thought, oh, it's okay. That feeling will go away in a few hours, right? A few hours come and go, and that feeling did not go away, and I ended up feeling so sick to my stomach that I puked in the middle of the hallway in front of my entire sixth grade class. Yep, that is definitely one of my most embarrassing moments, and I'm very happy to share it with you here. I'm Tristan Fitzpatrick, and this is American Student Radio. From Bloom... <laughs> from... Uh, again, live... live... what is it? <clears throat> oh, ready? Should I do it again? From Indiana University in Bloomington. From Indiana University in Bloomington. This is... This is... This is American Student Radio. Real chill. Real chill. Aliens conspiracy, journalism, and lesbians. Some of the most embarrassing moments can happen in front of thousands of people. ASR reporter Catherine De La Rosa interviewed two students in IU's theater program to find out how they handle being embarrassed on stage. ...is the optimum space for fear and embarrassment because live performance comes with an audience captive and willing to witness all sorts of disasters. You have a story to share about Beauty and the Beast. I do, I do. (laughs) Um... This is Kevin Wren, a senior theater major studying playwriting. When Kevin was in high school, he was in the ensemble for the stage adaptation of Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Being, you know, Beauty and the Beast is like like dancing utensils and just like houseware. So I got the um, great opportunity to be the spatula. And, I mean, this spatula outfit was, I mean, it was huge. So it was taller than I was, and the handle of the spatula went, like, past my kneecaps and whatnot. It tore, in the second act of the show, there's a number called uh, Human Again. And the way our stage worked is it's a proscenium thrust, so there is a lip of the stage where it kind of goes, pushes out to the audience, and we had two sets of stairs on each side. The number had just ended. I remember in the blackout, everyone would just kind of, like, you know, hurry their way off the stage. Some of the girls that played the dancing napkins, one of them was like, go, and pushed me. And I started wobbling. It was kind of like one of the like, slow-mo, like time slows down. I was like, whoa, whoa. I fall down these steps. I land on the ground on my hands and knees. The audience members are like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just like whispering because it's in a blackout, so I can't like shout or anything. The thing about this costume is I can't get up by myself because the, the spatula end is hitting the ground whenever I try to get to my feet. So I'm, like, looking over to people, like, running by. I'm like, help me up. Like, hey. Like, hey. Like, someone help me. No, no, they're all just running, running to get off. I crawl to the curtain, you know, like, slowly, surely, I get there. And, and everyone has already left. It's just me in front of this curtain in a blackout, like, going, open the curtain. Like, 
open the curtain, like, someone open the curtain. And no one was um, opening the curtain for me at all. So I decided, okay, you know what, I'll just pop, poke my spatula end, like, through the curtain so people, like, get a signal that something is behind here. So, like, the director just so happened to be right there, and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, I can't get up off the ground. So her and, like, three other stagehands have to, like, lift me up, like, crucifixion style, like, to my feet. And Kevin's friends know this as the beauty and the beast tragedy, and he doesn't seem embarrassed by it at all. I don't want to even sound like a pretentious person. It's like, I just don't have any stage fright situation. I mean, that's situation. pretentious. It's just who you are. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I think I can get nervous being up there. I can kind of be nervous. Like, when I realize, like, oh, my God, I'm in a show right now. People are watching me. But, like, to get so nervous to not go yeah. on stage, that has never been a problem for me. Yeah. I mean, some people I know have, like, crazy stage fright. Like Adele, for instance. She yeah. vomits before every show because she has such, like, terrible stage fright. But, but a lot of performers do deal with stage fright, including Eleanor Sopcich a freshman theater major and actor. I used to have terrible stage fright. My freshman year of high school, I started doing theater. Our director terrified me because he was he was a bit ruthless in his criticism and he was he was an intimidating guy. I just found that whenever I would go up on the stage to do auditions, my legs would shake and my voice would shake and I wouldn't really be able to control how nervous I felt. I knew that that was something I was going to have to get over because I knew I wanted to be a theater major and I knew it was what I wanted to do with my life. There was no positive influence really helping me to eat this irrational fear I had of being on the stage. I think I was afraid of failing. Um, you know, I was afraid of people laughing at me. I was afraid of being seen as not a good actor. Afraid of not being good as, as good as other people and messing up. Before I would go into auditions, like, let me list every possible thing that could go wrong. And I was so scared of the director judging me. But I realized that if I put the work in, and if I trust that work, that I don't have a reason to be scared. Eleanor's from Bethesda, Maryland, near Washington, D.C., which has a lot of arts organizations, including Roundhouse Theater. When Eleanor was a senior, she joined Roundhouse's teen performance company, where high school students mount a main stage production as actors, designers, and directors under the guidance of theater professionals. I had a couple really, really strong mentors who put me in the right mindset and made me believe that I didn't need to be scared of going on the stage. I didn't, I didn't, I had no reason to be. Their influence really allowed me to come out of my shell as an actor and to be able to ignore whatever fear I had and just trust the work I was doing and trust myself to do that work and just go on a stage and, and act my heart out. I wouldn't be able to have come here and commit to being a theater major without the fear that I started out with my freshman year. And I still sometimes have that fear, but it's, it's gotten so much better that I feel so much more capable now than I did four years ago. The song Human Again came from the original Broadway cast recording of Disney's Beauty and the Beast. For American Student Radio in Bloomington, this is Catherine De La Rosa. That was ASR reporter Catherine De La Rosa's story about stage fright which is um, a very funny and very interesting subject to talk about. I'm joined by two of our producers here in the studio, uh, Sophia Salaby and Sheila Raghavandran, who are here to talk about stage fright and our embarrassing moments experiencing it. Oh, my God. I get embarrassed all the time. I have such bad stage fright. <laughs> really, you do? Yeah. Like, I'm fine talking small group setting, but once it's like there's a grade to it or if it's like on camera, I like 
get all anxious and I freeze up. My palms get all sweaty. It's like not, it's not very cute. Do you have any, has anybody given you advice to cope with it? Any strategies? I think you just kind of have to do it. Um, I took that speech class that we all have to take uh, yeah. oh, true. last semester and it was bad. It got better as it went on. I don't think it was the class that held me. It was just having to do speeches every uh, once in a while. I don't know. Sheila, what do you think? I, well, I've been doing theater for a long time, so I don't have as much of a problem with like stage fright. It's mostly just like the moment before I start getting nervous, but I have had a few very like disastrous moments on stage. Um, one of them, I was in like middle school, so I was already on edge about like everything that I was doing. Um, and I was in Aladdin, and I was playing the magic carpet, which oh boy, yeah, <laughs> like not really. Yeah, exactly. What's it right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so wait, well, we, I think we need more of a visual here. Yeah, How okay, does the okay. magic carpet <laughs> character work on a stage production okay, of Aladdin? Well, I had this beautiful costume. Okay, um, and it was like. It was, like, this long drape of, like, blue velvet, and it was, like, adorned with gold accents and, like, these flowers. It was gorgeous. Um, But I was wearing that, and it was kind of heavy, and it was really big. And um, I was also wearing tap shoes because I had to tap, like, later in that scene. Um, (laughs) And, well, so, okay, so my role in the show was basically to just, like, follow Aladdin and Abu around and, like occasionally I would like kneel down on the floor and they would get behind me and we would pretend we were flying. It was, it was very makeshift. Um, but so, okay. So I was, I was in this costume wearing my tap shoes. So not in the ideal attire to be doing any kind of gymnastics routines. Just keep that in mind. Um, and so what I was supposed to do in the show is like, right when I meet Aladdin, I'm supposed to get scared and then like, like run away but like they wanted me to do something fun. So I was like, okay, I can do a back walkover, which is where you like, you, like, lean back, like, backwards and put your hands on the ground and then flip over with your legs. Um, And I was able to do it, but just, like, there was a lot going on. Like, I had this big thing of fabric. I was wearing tap shoes. It was kind of slippery. Um, I was also having, like, an allergic reaction to the makeup. So just, like, lots of things were happening. A lot of things, Yeah. yeah. And so during one of the shows, I go to do it, and, like, something happens, and I end up, like, twisting weird in the air, and then I, like fall on my back and I'm just kind of like laying there and then the guy who's Aladdin is just like oh <laughs> and just kind of like helps me up and and we just like keep going but I was just like oh my gosh like what just happened and like everyone backstage was like oh my gosh are you okay and mm-hmm. then I had to be on for like another like 20 minutes um before I could get off again and so then I got off and everyone was like whoa what happened what happened I was like no don't talk to me and I was just so mortified by it and then later my director came up and was like are you okay like you covered that really well and then someone else like came up later and they were like yeah my mom was like oh I love that cool thing the magic carpet did and I was like guys it wasn't supposed to happen (laughs) I'm not gonna lie to you that's pretty embarrassing yeah it was it was really embarrassing it was during the show oh and I think it was like the show that they had hired people to film so so now everyone has a copy of like me following you still have a copy of it can I I I don't know if I I don't think my family bought one but I could probably find one for you guys that's a shame Uh, stay tuned till we find Sheila's DVD (laughs) don't worry guys well some of the strategies the main strategy i was told when i was younger if you're scared talking in front of a whole bunch of people you're supposed to picture them naked or in their underwear or something how did that work for you it never worked it ended up just being really awkward i'm like i don't want to picture all these middle-aged people in this audience naked yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) so i think that strategy kind of backfired 
I don't know. I just get really, I try and take deep breaths, but it doesn't end up working super well. So it's like a combination between a deep breath and hyperventilating where you're just sort of like, <gasps> like that kind of, Oh no! that noise sort of happens to me. But then I just, I just forced myself to go out there. You just have to try and turn your brain off. You know, yeah, you get it, that? I, for me, it's like all those feelings, they're so unavoidable. And so I just go uh, like on stage or go wherever I need to go. I like do it, but I kind of black out. So it's like, it's like that emotional part of my brain is off. Like the logical part is on. I just get through it. And everybody's like, good job or whatever. And I'm like, oh, finally, I'm done. <laughs> I just, I'm just like, I just like hustle on out. I'm like. <laughs> I just uh, wiped my brow uh, for people who are definitely uh, not in studio. <laughs> so, so what's another way? Um, I think one of our producers found another way that you can get over stage fright, right, Tristan? Um, absolutely. I think um, I know another way is just to try and repeat, try and. Um, and I can't remember what exactly it is. I'm mixing it up. So the thing I'm confusing this strategy with is if you're, I don't know why I know this, but if you're trying to like lip sync to a song and you don't know all the words to it, just say the words watermelon over and over yeah, again yeah. to try and do, to try and get. Which doesn't really work. I don't think so. Yeah. No. You can kind of tell, you can kind of tell. you're not saying the right words, but I guess it's a tactic. If you forget, if you, you know, just blank on stage. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think I'm getting that confused with the scene in the King's speech where he's got the microphones over his ears um, and they're playing the music really loudly and Colin Firth is just yelling to try and get the speech. I think I'm getting that kind of confused because <laughs> there's that other aspect of stage fright too where you're in front of a whole bunch of people but you also have to think about your voice and your inflection and how you're speaking and everything. And I know that can be really nerve-wracking to a lot of people too. So... Um, I just practice a lot of things by myself if I'm going to go out in front of a big group of people just all the time. So that's what I usually do. Um, thank you, Sophia and Sheila, for joining us for that lovely discussion about stage fright. Um, sometimes the easiest way to get over embarrassment is to laugh at yourself. Stand-up comedians spend their time making sure other people are laughing at them too. ASR reporter Carter Barrett interviewed one such comic to find out how you turn an embarrassing moment into a punchline. I am currently a junior at Indiana University, and I think I'm funny. Uh, I do stand-up and sketch comedy here uh, through Ladies' Night Comedy and also on my own independently at uh, the surrounding comedy venues like Bears Place or Comedy Attic. Mm -hmm. Zoe, do you do things that you think are embarrassing a lot? Yeah, I'd say pretty frequently. Like, at least twice a day I do something where I get pretty, I'm like, go. Oh, <laughs> and then yeah i just walk away you generally but yeah that happens pretty frequently yeah and um and do you try to like work stuff that happens to you that's embarrassing into your comedy routine definitely uh the i'd say the meat and potatoes of my comedy routine is just me talking about how embarrassing i am or like the embarrassing <laughs> that happens to me and do you think that, like, working in your routine kind of, like, helps you get over it? It helps me deal with the trauma, in a sense. <laughs> um, I have the mentality that if I can laugh about it, then it's really not that bad. It, it helps, too, because if there's something really embarrassing going on and that I don't want to talk about, sometimes just bringing it up and, like, forcing 
myself to laugh at it and then like seeing a bunch of other people laugh at it and being like this is the worst case scenario like everyone's laughing at this super embarrassing thing that helps me get over it Mm -hmm. so and do you like being able to like see other people laugh at your misfortunes at least you're like telling them about it they're not laughing at the embarrassing thing they're laughing at you telling them about it yeah it it makes me feel good to see people laugh at stuff mostly like because i'm an attention whore but uh it all it honestly makes me feel good somewhat. Like, I don't know if I'd go that far, but like it makes me feel better about the stuff that's happened to me because I'm like, if everyone's laughing at it, then it must be funny and they're interested, so it has to be I don't I don't know. Do you wanna like share with us like one of the embarrassing things you've done that you talk about in your stand up? <clears throat> yeah. Uh so this is a a bit that I've included in sets previously um it basically involves uh freshman year i was at a party and was incredibly drunk um and i was hitting on this girl so you know that's just a great start <laughs> um and so i was trying to hook up with her and so the you know the obvious next step to that would be me giving her my number before i left for the evening uh, the only problem was that I was so drunk I could not remember my number. I could only remember my mom's phone number. So I gave this girl my mom's phone number. Um, she ended up booty calling my mom like several times that night. And then I got a bunch of texts from my mom telling me that a number from the Bloomington area kept <laughs> calling and texting her. And she wanted to know if everything was okay with me. So the next morning I like see all these text messages from my mom and I'm like, uh, so I have to call my mom and, like, explain the situation because I still wanted this girl's number, you know? So I had to tell, like, explain to my mom that I have, like, absolutely no game. Like, I can't even give a girl my number. But also, please, could she help me and get me this girl's number? And, you know, so... Would you do it again? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I do a lot of embarrassing things, but I do... One thing I can say is I don't really repeat them. I just find a way to up the ante and, like, shame myself even more. <laughs> so I don't know what's next. Like, having, like, a group message orgy contact my mom, like, maybe that would be what's down the line. On the theme of embarrassment, because that's what the show is about, what do you do when you mess up on stage? That's a funny question, because I'm usually, I don't mess up. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, when I do mess up, I guess the first thing I have to, you, I think this is important for any comedian, is you can't blame the audience if a joke falls flat, because I think that's like the gut reaction, is that you think, either me especially anyways, I think, oh, I'm so funny, they should have laughed at that, blah, blah, blah. But if it wasn't funny, it wasn't funny. So the first thing I do is, like, reevaluate, be like, yo, okay, it didn't hit, that's okay. And then I move on, and I just tell the next joke. Like, that's really all you can do while you're up there. Just remain calm and not freak out. And then afterwards, adjust and see why it fell flat. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like, comedians are better at dealing with embarrassment than a lot of people or worse? I think that's debatable. Um, maybe. I think the comedians I know are because a lot of times we're just so, like, we see everything as material. Like, it's kind of an annoying habit because you just, like, I think if you talk to a comedian long enough, you realize that they're just, like, trying to, they're trying to grab material out of every life experience they get. 
So they're looking for the funny side and everything, which isn't always the most, like, endearing trait in a person. But I think because of it, it does make comedians a little bit better suited to handle those embarrassing situations. What's the most embarrassing moment you've had performing comedy? Uh, Like, back in February, I had to do this show at a Relay for Life performance. Um, I I was with Ladies Night, and we were performing for a group of predominantly... uh, Greek, a predominantly Greek audience, so their style of humor is very different from mine, and also the acoustics in the place just sucked, because we were in an indoor track, so you couldn't even hear what I was saying, um, so I made this joke about labias, because, like, that's just a frequent topic that I, that comes up in my stand-up, uh, I'm just obsessed with vaginas, but it didn't really hit well, I think, the point of the joke was that a lot of people don't even know what the word labia is, and I think a lot of the audience didn't know what a labia was or had heard it described the way I described it, i.e. like the, like, lips. Um, so it didn't really hit well, and a lot of people actually, like, gasped and, like, stood up, and it was really, really awkward because I've never been, like, that out of place in an audience. I don't know why I was there. Uh yeah, that was pro- that was like the worst stand-up experience I've ever had. <laughs> and how did you feel like after that? I felt like getting drunk. And I mean, you haven't stopped making that joke, have you? Oh no. Does it usually land? Uh, it usually does. That's that's one of the situations in which I do think the audience was a factor in the joke. Yeah. Not hitting correctly, but my I could have come up with one that would have hit better. Yeah. So, do you think that like? comedian should like tailor their jokes to the audience or I I don't I think it depends if you're going to an event like that like I was I think I like reflecting I really should have tailored it because I knew the audience I'd be performing for was probably going to be different than the audience I normally performed for so in that situation if you're accepting an invitation to perform somewhere and you know it's a different audience I think you should tailor it but otherwise if it's your show you 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 know they're coming to see you so if they don't like it they can leave that's my opinion true if you're interested in seeing zoe perform you can see her perform with the comedy group ladies night thanks for listening to american student radio we broadcast from wiux 99.1 fm in bloomington every sunday at noon since our show this week is about well embarrassment i decided to ask some of our producers what their most embarrassing moment was in fifth grade, I wore my pants backwards. I'm sorry, I can't say this without laughing. On my ninth birthday, I had a birthday party and I was opening all my presents in front of my friends. My mom gave me deodorant for my birthday present, so that was really embarrassing. Senior year of high school, I was supposed to do this math problem up on the board. I volunteered to do it, but then I looked back at my notes and realized that I like didn't know how to do it so I'd forgotten and I got so scared and like embarrassed that I forgot how to read so I couldn't even read the problem to like figure out how to do it in class so the teacher calls on me and he's like Emily are you ready and I said I forgot how to read and he was like okay somebody else do this and I cried for three ligaments and broke my knee into three pieces while pelvic thrusting in front of the entire Carmel marching band when I was a sophomore in high school <laughs> when I accidentally like shaved up the middle part of my eyebrows, um, and I forgot to wear like um, 
like put on my eyebrows before going to school so i was walking around with like two bits of eyebrows it doesn't matter how old you are one thing that's guaranteed in life is embarrassment and now back to the show Welcome back to American Student Radio on WIUX. This week, the show is all about embarrassing moments. I'm your host, Tristan Fitzpatrick. Even though we're called American Student Radio, I'm a bit embarrassed to say that this next piece is coming to us from France. ASR reporter Sarah Panfil is studying abroad this year, and she brings us this update about life so far. She apologizes ahead of time for any sound quality issues and asks you to please blame it on France. I feel embarrassed to even just be here as a foreigner like I'm not part of this culture and I don't I don't know like I want to feel like I can get by and I do to a degree but at the same time I feel like other times I feel so obtrusive we're in France and we try to talk in French Uh, we go to school in France but we're not like in the society of friends we're like outsiders were trying to get in this society <laughs> like the way you greet each other you kiss on the cheek it's very new for me what side do you start on like no, who who yeah. tells you this like i'm gonna end up kissing so many people just on the mouth like <laughs> i find it super embarrassing too when they talk they don't really think about that you are like new to this language so they just talk like as they talk to a French person and uh, then you feel so stupid because you don't want to be the person to be like I don't get it (laughs) like (laughs) it's so true yeah so you just have to push yourself and be like okay I really actually don't get can you just explain again like and it's also hard to like pretend I'm doing okay and the biggest part is language, definitely. Yeah, it's just hard because you just like feel like you're one step behind all the time. It's been three weeks since I moved to France. It's about 11 p.m. on a Friday night. I'm sitting around in the apartment with two friends who are also foreign to the country. My name is Kyunghee and Susan. Susan is my English name, so I go to Indiana University in the States, but I'm Korean, and now I'm a student of Sciences Po in Aix-en-Provence. And my name is Julia, and uh, I live in Sweden normally and study French here in Aix-en-Provence. I enlisted their help to talk about what it's been like to adjust to a new culture, language, country. First, though, we drink some wine and eat cheese. <laughs> but first... I'll open this wine somehow. I'll do that. I really need to just ask a French person. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh! Ooh. We barely succeeded opening the bottle. Between the three of us were a Swede, Korean, and an American. Each of us from distinct backgrounds, but all in the city of Aix-en-Provence, a university town in southern France. When you throw yourself into a new environment, you give yourself over to the fact that you're going to be embarrassed, uncomfortable. Yet, we all decided to do it. For Julia, who was adopted from Burkina Faso in West Africa, part of the reason was to learn the language of her country of origin. 
sometimes you use things like why do I put myself into this situation like why do I like come here to a country that I don't know and speak a language that I don't know but uh, yeah but I think it's like you just get through it because you have some sort of like thought with with the what you want to do with the French language yeah like eventually you hope that you'll be able to use it in Burkina yeah, Faso exactly yeah so that's like a big motivation every time I feel like okay now I don't get anything like I'm just a question mark and they just like stare at me <laughs> I, I think like okay it can't get like at least it can't get worse <laughs> <laughs> my motto like it can't get like I, I can just get better at French when you do put yourself in that embarrassing situation it it can only get better yeah because then you realize what you did like I remember when we learned um like c'est d'accord like it's mm-hmm. okay so c'est d'accord means like it's okay and for a long time I thought it meant it's okay in the sense that it does in English, where it's like, you can use it as a response to if someone bumps into you. Mm. But it's really only used as like, oh, I understand what you're saying. Mm. And like, I'm in agreement. And like, we didn't know that <laughs> for a long time. And so like, if I bumped into someone, I'd say, oh, c'est d'accord, like, it's okay. But that's not correct. Mm. And I don't know, just moments like that are kind of embarrassing. Yeah, for me, it's been like really like, roller coaster it's like up and down all the time uh i have days where i feel like okay like this is going forward but then like there are days when you realize how much you have left to do and you're just like okay this is never gonna work but i feel like it's just small small steps along the way and i feel like you just want to be able to be understood and want to like get yourself heard usually like i'm a social person but I feel like at my whole family and the school, like you only show like 10% of your personality. That's another motivation for me to keep putting myself through embarrassing moments just because I do want to be heard and I want to be able to, yeah. to make friends and meet people and feel a little more integrated. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I don't put myself out there and I don't make mistakes, then I'm not going to ever get to know anyone or t- yeah. I get to know this country. We're having so hard time, but... I don't want to discourage, uh, discourage others to like be afraid to going somewhere new. I believe we're going to learn something and we can get over with this. And we do love France. Aix-en-Provence is vibrant and beautiful, full of luxuries like bread, cheese, wine, fountains, and markets. And the people really do know how to enjoy life. Yeah, I always feel like for every country I visited or for every like like travel I done like this one I just like grow like like you have like a new perspective on everything like for every time you visit a new country or adapt a new culture so I just think you can yeah you just, as you said you just learn a lot about yourself and about others so people shouldn't be afraid to put themselves in embarrassing situations even if it's as extreme as moving across an ocean and i think like the more you put yourself in that situation in those situations like the better you are at it i know what it's like to be uncomfortable and embarrassed like it's not the end of the world (laughs) you're still gonna get through it Maybe we'll learn how to open a bottle of wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be exciting. <laughs>
that one was goal to reach at, the end. <laughs> at least we just embarrassed ourselves like amongst ourselves <laughs> With me in the studio are our producers Sophia Salaby, Sheila Ragavondren, and Abby Gibson. I'm sorry, I mispronounced your last name again. Oh my gosh, okay, I am the worst. Um, we're going to take some time here to talk about the most embarrassing part of our lives, old social media posts. Oh. Guys, I'm excited. Oh no, oh, no. It, yeah, oh no, it's right. See, here's my problem. I think all the people who are, like, adults or, like, in college or, yeah, like, who are adults now who got Facebook, like, uh, like five years ago, I think they're lucky. I think we are an unfortunate situation. We definitely are. Because we got our Facebooks when we were in middle school. I think that statement applies to many areas of our lives right now, Sophia. And we thought we thought, we thought everything we said was really important or and or funny. And so, like, I look back. I don't have any pulled up. But I know I said some really dumb things. Or I was like, man, I'm just so cool and all this stuff. Like... Man, I don't know if you guys have any specific exam- examples. Um, I do. I have one about James Bond that I'm very happy to share with everybody. From December, of, from December of 2011, staying up late and watching Casino Royale. I need some Daniel Craig in my life before tomorrow's adventure. What? That, okay, that statement still applies five years later. I still need some Daniel Craig in my life. I'm going to try to go back. I still need that. I feel like all of mine are, they're so mundane. Like nothing that I would ever post on Facebook because I feel like the culture of Facebook has changed. It um, has a lot. Because yeah. I remember it was like okay to post like doing homework can't wait for going to the movies tomorrow. You know, that kind of, like, like dumb things. Yeah. So, right, exactly. And, like, now it's not okay to post that anymore. No, you're like, no, I'm getting no, no, married. No. And that's, like, the only thing <laughs> yeah, you post. Yeah, you post, like, because Facebook, I think because so many other social media sites have become more of a place for, like, updating every second of your life, like Twitter. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. now Facebook is, like, for the big events. Yeah, Facebook's like you where you want to, like, mm-hmm. that's where you go brag to other people. Like, yeah. Twitter's where you, like, cry, and then Facebook's where you go, like, talk about all the great stuff that you're doing. Um, I actually have a really great one. Um, it's so embarrassing. Honestly, I don't want to read it. Um, but I will. Well, too late. You're taking yeah, the plunge I'm now, Abby. The plunge. <laughs> um, it's really, it's so, I have it pulled up on my phone. Um, I am not a huge Facebook user now, but I was back in 2011. And um, what's really frightening is that you scroll back and you do not remember making these posts. Yeah. That's what's horrifying. Um, So this was from the 17th of April, 2011, making me 13 years old and I think probably in eighth grade. Um, (laughs) And I was really pretentious. Like, I was that (laughs) kid who, like, was just the – it was so annoying. Um, So this is what it says. It would have been very nice to have gone to Coachella this weekend. California is too far away. And one person liked it. Um, <laughs> wait, how, how old were you? I was 13. I was so pretentious. Sophia, I was so pretentious. Um, I thought it was really cool. Um, and then I had, like, there's, like, a comment thread. Um, oh, no. But it looks like, I guess the person, I, I must have been talking to somebody. Because I, I hope that I wasn't so socially unaware that I would have just been, like, commenting to myself. Um, but since then, the person has either like deleted their Facebook account or specifically gone back and like deleted these comments because they're no longer there. So it looks like I'm just talking to myself. Um, and here's the first comment: um, me commenting on my own post. 
Um, most of my favorite bands are there, and it just looks amazing. I should just illegally drive next year. This is why living in Indiana sucks. O M G, Abby. So pretentious. O M G. O M G. That's just really. I mean, it's nice to know how far I've come. I hope. I hope I'm not that annoying anymore. So. <laughs> I just. Uh, I just was going back on my Facebook, and I realized I posted. I'm about. Uh, we can we'll jump back to this but i talked to my mom about something and i realized i made a post about what about what we talked about in my piece because i talked to my mom oh my god i'm gonna have to save that (laughs) (laughs) i like i feel like in middle school i thought it was really cool to just post like statuses with zero context that just had to do with inside that, inside, jokes yeah, with my friends. I was yeah. looking through and yeah, I was like all just inside jokes with people who like don't really know anymore. Or a lot no. of I, I went through there was like a like a series of three that were all mean girls like 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 who's who's felt personally victimized by Regina George or like yeah. man I wish I got four uh candy canes from Glen Coco and I'm like like okay. I have a post where all I wrote was sketchy period and seven people liked it and that's then, very it sketchy so, Sheila. I know, it's, it's very it's very sketchy. weird and then a bunch of my yeah. friends commented on it because it seems like it was an inside joke and i don't know i guess we thought sketchy and like fetch were really fun to say so everyone's commenting like ha ha, ha sketchy fetchy <laughs> i don't know what this is yeah. I think it's just funny because now we're trying to be like real adult humans um, who are respectable, and but we have this like shadow on the internet kind of lurking over us. But at the same time, I don't really want to delete it. Um, it feels like yeah. part of myself. I don't either. Um, what, yeah. What I've done with a lot of the pictures I have, because like the other component is like the numerous embarrassing pictures of me because I didn't realize that they would exist yeah. forever. Yeah. Like I've made a lot of my old profile pictures just only me. So they're all there yeah. and I can oh. see them, but yeah. people Smart. can't. Yeah. But uh, so you can you can reminisce, but people won't like laugh at you. Right. Do you want to hear some hot takes on the Les Mis film? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You know I, I do. would love to hear this. It says in all caps, yes, no Taylor in Les Mis. A lot of exclamation points. I'm kind of flipping out. And then this girl that I know, she's like, my mom will let me cheer. She's like, last time I talked about why Taylor Swift wasn't right for the role, maturely as I could muster, she started crying. And then I did dot dot dot. I'm just not gonna say anything. <laughs> Wait, was Taylor Swift going to be in Les Mis? Maybe. Oh, uh, that that would have been an embarrassment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> I don't understand how I get in trouble for scaring my sister, but when my mom decides to go and freak her out, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> Another day at the Salabies. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom says, do as I say, not as I do. It was just a perfect opportunity. The little kid in me couldn't resist. Oh, and I'm my goodness. I'm pretty sure she might be listening to this live, so she's <laughs> oh my gosh well I it's funny because Bon Iver is in the news again now yeah, that he's releasing yeah. new music in 2012 I posted oh my god Bon Iver what is happening and that's all I what is the context <laughs> of this what was happening Bon Iver I guess we don't know <laughs> um, I remember I went on like a snorkeling trip with my family um, again when I was like 13 um, and my mom was on Facebook and she posted a photo of me like in like the wetsuit and I remember like my 13 year old self I was like this is the last straw and I like blocked her on Facebook (laughs) she was really insulted like she would just like message me and be like why did you unfriend me and I would like be like you know what you've done (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so sad but now we've we've reconciled we're friends on Facebook now good Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) we can um, but like 
I don't I don't even know. Like a lot of it when I was scrolling through was just like like my like not even hot takes on movies. It was just me posting like I saw the artist or yeah. I saw yeah like I saw and I'm like I'm like did people really need to know what what like what media I was consuming? <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what I'm wondering. Like, why did we all collectively think it was like? so important for everyone to know exactly what we were doing all the time because I don't feel like I don't feel I like think... Twitter was much of a thing when yeah, we were yeah. posting so really Facebook wasn't. was kind of the main outlet that we had to post our right and I updates. think it was yeah. like the excitement was that everyone was posting about what they were doing so, yeah like, you had to do it to be part of like that culture mm, right yeah. absolutely yeah. I agree with that so like I have a lot of posts where where like me and my friends would post and like tag each other and be like oh my gosh I had so much fun tonight seeing a movie with these people and like we would all post something like that just because I don't know it was the thing to do to like announce what you were doing like yeah. who you were doing it with yeah yeah right. to like to prove that you you know when people weren't like with you physically that you were like still doing stuff and yeah not, yeah but I don't know I guess I want to do one final thing which is kind of one of the embarrassing stories I've been telling as we've been putting this show together is that um, um, uh, if you don't know me I'm a big Harry Potter fan <laughs> and everybody's like smiling <laughs> yeah I uh I went to a few of the midnight premieres for the later movies, and for one of them, I decided to dress up as Bellatrix because she, I think, is a pretty, a pretty cool lady. Uh, and I had this costume, and that's on Facebook, like that's there. And my coworker, like a couple months ago, was like going through everybody's old Facebook to find the worst picture, and she found it and liked it. So then it was like on everybody's feed, like this is a thing that existed, <laughs> and everybody was liking it, which I thought was fun. Well, it was embarrassing and funny at the same time but then like people I didn't know or hadn't talked to in a couple of years started liking it I was like mm, I don't know what that do you sound get? exactly sums up how I would feel about that experience I was like who are you people because yeah, there's because like you... a difference between like your friends kind of being like oh this is funny and laughing with you as opposed to like outside people who you don't really interact with that much being like oh ha 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 then it feels like yeah less of an angel yeah Yeah. because like Mm -hmm. that's I think that's the thing with embarrassment like it's okay if you embarrass yourself in front of you know your friends and it's funny and you can Mm -hmm. laugh at it but then when you embarrass yourself in more of like a situation where you feel kind of people are genuinely thinking that you like are stupid or Mm -hmm. incompetent then it becomes a little bit more not as funny and not mortifying as, yeah. and yeah. less exactly. embarrassing exactly so. yeah and that's funny how that kind of translates over the social media because you're friends with a lot of people who like you know you're friends on Facebook with a lot of people who you aren't actually friends with so absolutely well thank you everyone for that discussion everyone thinks that they have embarrassing relatives sometimes however it's the relatives that get embarrassed ASR reporter Sophia Salaby interviewed her mom about ways they've made each other embarrassed in the past I embarrass myself pretty often by what I say or do, but to help me remember all those moments I tried so hard to block out of my memory, I talked to the one person who's known me since the beginning, my mom. We talked about a recent time she embarrassed me and how I embarrassed her in the not-so-distant past. It's ringing. Hi. Are we doing this now? Yeah, is that okay? I'm recording. You're recording now? Yeah, is that all right? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Have I already embarrassed you? Yes. (laughs) So? So? I guess um, this kind of came about because you did something to embarrass me recently. Um... 
do you want to give your side of the story first or do you want me to tell you how I felt? Because we've talked about this, but... Yes, we have. Um, well, why don't you tell your side of the story first? Okay. So, um, basically, um, I am 20, um, but I've never been to a wedding, like, except for one when I was a kid. But I was on Facebook over the summer and I was scrolling through and I saw a post by this guy that I used to be friends with um, early on in high school and he had gotten engaged which kind of freaked me out because it's like that's like a really adult thing to do this is the first person that I've known personally to to get engaged like that I really know or was friends with so and because I'm not really friends with anybody from that friend group anymore I'm like I'm gonna call my mom because she can probably call me but calm me down uh so I called you we talked about it it was fine but then later on I was on Facebook and realized his mom had posted about it right right you had commented oh congrats Lisa Sophia called me about this uh this is so exciting and I feel like that misrepresented the reason that I called because I was mortified and you were portraying it as if I were like really happy about what happened, even though I haven't talked to this guy in like three years. True. So, True. but then when I called you. You're right. There's a conflict of opinion on what interpreting the, well, I know, you know, you were like, mom. Why did you put that on there? Yeah, I was. And you were like, and you got really offended because you you didn't think that that's how the comment was taken. No, no, that's not how it was meant. And that's not how it was taken. Well, that's not how I meant it to be. So so I recognized that you were bothered by that. I was like, Mom, why would you do that? And even though I, you know, I I did not completely agree. I empathized with your reaction and said okay done it's gone and then she turned the tables on me i know a time i can think of very clearly when you embarrassed me Ooh, let's hear it oh oh so you want me to share okay well okay so this is one we've talked about but so i'm gonna set set the scene a little bit okay let's hear it okay so friend's 16th birthday party right oh okay and big birthday party all planned out had a i think it was academy awards theme you know so like the red carpet everybody dressed up and friends and family were invited and uh I think everybody was, um, oh, actually, we had an MC who was actually a local news anchor who lives in the neighborhood. He's a friend, but a big deal, and seeing the whole event. And I think everybody got an award. From what I recall, everybody, like, got, you know, like, and when we got our award and were introduced, we went up and gave our acceptance speech. And let's also say that this event was held in, um, their Episcopalian church reception hall. So this is in a church setting. So I forget what award you were given. 
I think it was most spazzy when sleep deprived. I believe that most was... oh, so most spazzy when sleep deprived. So my bright, wonderful daughter goes up to the podium to accept her, you know, quote unquote Academy Award for whatever being most spazzy when sleep deprived and starts her speech and in the middle of it I don't know how to say this without let's (laughs) let's say you can't you can't say this um due to what we can play on the air but if you could allude to what I said that would um that took took can we say took the lord's name in vain can (laughs) we use that (laughs) so this whole Wonderful, beautiful, happy 16th birthday occasion in in a church hall, and my beautiful daughter steps up to give her little speech, and in the middle of it, I don't know whether you tripped over your words or what, what it was, or whether you didn't like getting, like, why are you giving me this award, and in the middle of it, it's like, just slipped, and this inappropriate phrase comes out of your mouth. And my toes kind of curled and every kind of cringed. Everybody just kind of politely, oh, oh Sophia. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was a little, but nothing, but you know what? After it, nobody ever brought it up. It really wasn't, you know. So no big deal. No it big was deal. no big deal. But in the moment, you know, it was just like, um, well, I guess I'll go hide in my closet for a thousand years while I try to forget that. Okay, well, okay. bye, Mama. Bye, I love you. Oh, you do. Bye. Bye. For American Student Radio, I'm Sophia Salaby. Uh, so, while we were going through those Facebook posts, I found something in reference to, to that night. Uh, so I posted on February 4th, 2012, I took fail to a whole new level tonight. I apologize to any groups that may have been offended. Anyways, happy birthday, Carson. Oh and my gosh. I'm sorry, mom. I know she's listening. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> thanks, Tristan. It's all good. Uh, thanks for listening to American Student Radio. Be sure to tune in next week to hear Emily Miles talk about international music and the annual Lotus Festival in Bloomington. Signing off from Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Tristan Fitzpatrick. Thanks for listening to American Student Radio. We're produced by students from Indiana University in Bloomington. Follow us on Twitter at ASR Voice and like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash American Student Radio. Our theme music is provided by Lunamatic. Check out Lunamatic's music at www.soundcloud.com slash Lunamatic. That's L-U-N-A-N-A-T-I-C. We'll have new episodes every Sunday on WIUX and streaming on our website at www.americanstudentradio.org. 